The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Save our wildlife, save the environment, save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with Ellie Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Good morning and welcome to Our Wild World. Two incidents have brought the global spotlight on Zimbabwe and Wangi National Park, and both were brought to the world's attention by Johnny Rodriguez, founder of the Zimbabwe Conservation Task Force. In July of this year, in an ironic twist and perversion of history that is most likely lost on the average FB post, a lion named Cecil was killed by an American sport trophy hunter, and that has grabbed global headlines and high emotions for weeks now. More quietly, however, and lost in the headlines until today, um, and as first reported by ZCTF in November of 2014, 24 baby elephants, without names, and under very shady circumstances, lies, and in contravention of both Zimbabwean laws and international forums such as CITES, these elephants were nonetheless kidnapped from the wild, held captive for nine months in terrible conditions at a secretive holding center in Huangi, and on July 4th of this year, they were shipped off to Chinese zoos. All this activity happened with barely a whimper in the international press, and by comparison to Cecil, very little outrage. It seems that in a media frenzy for sensationalism, ZCTF, Johnny, his team, and the mission, and the people of Zimbabwe has gotten lost, relegated to the back pages where much of the truth remains shrouded in secrecy and corruption. To get to the heart of the matter, I welcome today my guest, Johnny Rodriguez. Welcome, Johnny. Hello. It's nice to have you here. We've talked for quite a bit uh, yesterday and a little bit today, and there's a whole lot of new headlines uh, in the news, and you just told me that you were uh, just finished an interview with Discovery Channel, and uh, I think that's excellent news. Um, please be sure to keep me posted on that because we will uh, continue to spread the news on that. So with this interview and what's been going on in, in, Z- in Zimbabwe, do you think the runaround and secrecy around the export of the elephants will get back into the headlines, relegating Cecil and all this digression into uh, the emotional aspects of vilifying a hunter and one lion out of many? Do you think it will get relegated to the back pages and bring to the fore the more important issues of what is going on in Zimbabwe and the export of these elephants? 
Sure. Um, Cecil didn't die for a reason. He died for a cause. And this is uh, bringing out into the limelight what has actually been happening and all this hidden agenda about the, the wildlife and the authorities claiming that they've got no money so the animals have to pay their way through and the only way to do it is to export these animals to uh, the highest bidder. So, now, so, so do you think Zimbabwe is losing its, its wildlife and the soul of its people, as you just said, for the highest bidder? Well, that, that, that's what is said, what the authorities say, that the, the country, the, the park is overpopulated and uh, the animals have to pay their way through. Now, we, go, we came to our attention in, uh, in October of 2014 that uh, there was a capture team, well, the actual national parks capture team were out capturing uh, small ba uh, calves. Uh, baby elephants from the from the herds. In other words, uh, firing shots and traumatizing this. There was no supervi uh, supervision or inspectors there to actually see that this is, was done in in the in the way that the law requires, where there's no cruelty or any inhumane treatment of these animals. Now these calves couldn't keep up with the herds. Were captured and put into an emboma, which is an enclosure where they keep them. Uh, and they were there for over a, nearly, what, nine months, ten months? Yes. Uh, yes. And then eventually exported to China. And that happened on July 4th of this year. And I don't recall seeing much in the news other than um, some compatri compatriots of yours that are not in Zimbabwe. Sharon Houle is one of them, and there are several other people, Jane High, Nick Lynch, who are keeping this story alive. So I understand being in Zimbabwe, you have constraints. So um, because of everything you've just said and, and what is going on in Zimbabwe, the secrecy, this the shrouding, this manipulation, and bringing Cecil to the fore to perhaps candy coat and cover up other issues like these elephants. And from what I understand, they are just the first shipment of a proposed 200 elephants over the next six years to go to China. So um, I understand that you are not always able to speak freely being in Zimbabwe. So... Um, I really appreciate you being on the show today and talking about this. So you had, you had mentioned that Zimbabwe feels it's cash-strapped and that it's overpopulated with wildlife and that the only way to make money to protect the parks is to sell off, export these animals. So how do we address the overconsumption of wildlife and the failure of if it pays, it stays? to a solution that includes living with wildlife and living ecosystems? Uh, people can coexist with the wildlife. Uh, it's just a matter of educating and empowering the people to do it. That's the first thing. The second thing that we've got is that the challenge that is here is to get the authorities to give us an audit or a stock take of all the animals we've got in private game farms, in the national parks, and give us an audit so that we can actually work around this and sort of say, how best do we look after the wildlife? Because all it does, it sends a bad signal when you mistreat your animals. Uh, it just shows you that 
the human can be treated just exactly the same. And it's a, it's a horror story, uh, actually awakening, and uh, to to actually see something like this happening in in front of you, and you don't become the voice or the voiceless, then really there must be a lot of question marks, and we haven't got the answers. And we're trying to get the international community to actually pass in these laws because a lot of these animals are endangered. If you look at the statistics, the scientists and the research that's been done and the falling numbers of these animals is that if we don't bring in a moratorium law to protect these animals, these animals are going to become extinct on the expense of export and then the wealthy people around the world who actually come here and shoot these, these animals which has got a lot of side effects and using the words that it's sustainable and you see that the poverty data is still the same, it hasn't improved the lives of the people that live around these wildlife areas, there's a concern. And I mean, you know, the cake is big enough, but the, the people on the ground are getting the crumbs and the, 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 the wealthy actually are on their gravy train and just enjoying the, the, the amount of money they're making. So, so that brings me to a question. Okay, after the killing of Cecil, um, there was a lot of hubbub, as we all know, and then it was announced in Zimbabwe that they had placed a ban on the hunting of lions and leopards, and I think people might have assumed no longer capturing uh, baby wild elephants. But since then, within a matter of weeks, um, as all the attention went to uh, Walter Palmer, the American trophy hunter, and the emotional knee-jerk reactions, and the animal rights, animal welfare issues, it sort of got lost from species survival, large landscapes, and what was actually happening in Huangui. Um, so that ban was lifted within a matter of re- weeks. What happened? Or is this perhaps another ploy uh, by Zim to get the best international play out of the headlines, to turn the international community away from the elephants while underneath wildlife is still going to pay the price and Zim still continues under poor policy and management while the resources continue to be plundered. Well, this is what's happening. The the whole thing is that the, the wildlife are the ones that are being exploited to the stage where it's it's becoming quite frightening when you see the herds are getting smaller and smaller and uh, the people who are supposed to be uh, guarding them on behalf of the planet, uh, they're not doing the job. And to exploit the, the wildlife uh, and actually claim that it's beneficial for these wealthy people to come and shoot. I mean, uh, there is some travel bans against some of the, the uh, landlords and the people that are involved who are the owners, the landlords of these uh, sort of scenario and then to sort of say look um, these guys uh, they claim you know it's sanctions against Zimbabwe I don't believe there's any sanctions because you can buy anything you can order anything from anywhere in the world and to actually uh, try and come up and uh, talk your way out of the the whole scenario it's not transparent we want to know um, how is it being done? Where do they get the facts and the scientific reasons? I mean, we haven't even had it audit. So how can you give quotas or hunting licenses when you don't know what you've got in stock? It's, 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 
well, this brings up an interesting point. You, you mentioned tourism, you know, hunting tourists coming in, uh, quotas. So how has it happened that we've managed to disconnect the tourist and visitor and even the foreign hunter from the reality of the issues that are going on in Zimbabwe? Where do you think this disconnect is? Is it simply playing by Zimbabwe, Zimbabwean authorities, um, political machinations? And where is the voice of, you're one of them, of, certainly, there are many, but in Zimbabwe, where is the voice? Why is the voice of Zimbabweans being quashed? You see, the thing is, at the moment, not even the, the, the populace in Zimbabwe knows what is actually happening. And because of organizations like uh, ours, which is a voluntary organization, and I would like to explain to everybody before we proceed, is that ZCTF is a very small organization, only concerned with the preservation of wildlife in our country. I repeat, we do not sell hunts or permits. We do not receive funds for, for it either. We're not financed by anybody. And this is all voluntary. We also only receive small donations to help us investigate, the, to pay for the investigators that do go out and do the job and come back and report and give us the evidence. Again, it isn't correct that there is too many new articles going out discrediting the ZCTF. We will continue to help the animals no matter what, regardless of the nasty comments we have received. We would like to thank all those other people for their kind words. And we really do appreciate your support. Let's stand together and speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. This is the beloved animals. And like I say, Cecil didn't die for a reason. He died for a cause. The laws have to be changed so that we have this balance. I mean, the one thing people must realize, there's people saying that an animal gets to a certain stage that's it. Put it out of its misery. Okay, I can understand that if you do it humanely. But do we say that all the 60-year-old humans that have gone past the stage of being productive in this world, do we go out and shoot them with bow and arrows or crossbows? Or do we actually look after them? We are sort of the people that have been entrusted to care for these animals so that we can coexist. Let's invest in education. Let's go back to the grassroots. Let's do this properly instead of the, the abuse that is actually taking part now, which is cruel and it's inhumane. And I want to thank you for bringing that up. There, there were some um, devious and insidious posts on Facebook that um, highlighted the fact uh, mistakenly, I want to impress upon our listeners, it was mistakenly uh, reported that ZCTF and Johnny were getting funds from these uh, permitted and shady hunting deals. ZCTF is a nonprofit organization, and you can uh, please visit their website at zctfofficialsite.org, I believe. Um, look up Johnny Rodriguez and you'll find uh, the latest news, the updates, and ways you can help. And we'll get into that later in some of the opportunities and different functions on Johnny's website and Zimbabwe 
Conservation Task Force of where your money goes. And as Johnny said, let's stand together and speak for those who cannot speak for themselves, the beloved animals, because that is the point here. And right now we're dealing with 24, another round of 24 wild-caught baby elephants that are being prepared to be shipped off to China. And that just hit the headlines today in National Geographic and several other online resources. So I'm so thrilled to hear that Discovery Channel interviewed you today, and I hope to uh, be please keep me posted so that we can tell people when that's going to air, because hopefully that will bring the headlines back to the issues that we're talking about today with Johnny. So, Johnny, you, you talked about... Um, I'm going to call it sustainable utilization, and that's been a topic on this program for a little while, uh, for the past month. Should all hunting and live capture for export in Zimbabwe be stopped, or when is hunting and why is it acceptable? Uh, I do believe at the moment with all this madness and all the lying going around, I believe that uh, the U.S. could actually stop this whole scenario and the saga by stopping all the exports of animals until the authorities come up with the um, audit and the stock take of all the animals we've got in Zimbabwe. You need a moratorium uh, to happen, otherwise we're going to find a lot of these in animals that have gone past this, the endangered species. I mean, we can say, like our rhino, we had a lot of rhino in, in, in uh, Wanky, we haven't got any rhino left in there. You know, they are endangered species. We've got the elephants, which people, the scientists are actually warning the world. Let's try and find ways of actually come up with contraceptive where we can actually keep these animals from overpopulating. The, the one thing that works, we know for a fact, and creates a lot of employment is ecotourism. We want the people to come and see the animals in their own habitat and actually study them. We learn, I've learned a lot from the wildlife. It's something that I've learned how to respect and how to, to love something that God put on this earth so that we could enjoy and not to abuse. And so these here, animals... Here we're talking about the aesthetic value of wildlife for what it is. Um, its role in, in ecosystem architecture, its role in terms of our human psyche, and its role just because of what it is. So at this point, we have to step away for a break. Stick with us. This, my guest is Johnny Rodriguez, the Zimbabwean Conservation Task Force, and we'll be right back. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. 
Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate, titillate, and enlighten your mind. Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. Welcome back, Our Wild World, with my guest, Johnny Rodriguez, and the Zimbabwean Conservation Task Force. Right before the break, we talked about tourism, ecotourism, and how it does benefit wildlife. And we'll get into that a little bit more to see if it actually trickles down tourism dollars versus hunting dollars and hunting for conservation, killing for conservation, or is that killing conservation. So, Johnny, ecotourism does benefit the visitor, and it gives the visitor an illusion sometimes that they have participated in wildness. It benefits the lodge owner and the outfitters and the travel agencies. But where does it benefit the community that is living with the wildlife when it meanders across that invisible boundary between national park and private land? Um, let me explain the whole details uh, that you people, your audience will understand. Zimbabwe has got sunshine nearly the whole year round. We can utilize that by actually using solar energy to help the, the schools and the villages that live around these wildlife areas. We can fence the areas where the animal comes in conflict with the, with the human. We need an area where it's a century where these animals that are problems 
or ones that have been wedded or whatever, we can put them in these areas and they can live the rest of the life. They've got the right to life just the same as a human. And the, the, the misconception that a lot of people get is that they go to zoos and they go to circuses and they see these animals and they say, wow, these are beautiful, fantastic. It's not the same. When you actually come here and you respect the boundaries, there is qualified guides that take you around and you can see how the wildlife actually exists with one another in the wild. It's the most amazing thing that you'll ever see in your life. You'll treasure it for, you, for the rest of your life. It's not the same as going to a zoo or to a park where these animals are there to entertain you and you say, wow, look at this. This is beautiful. Do you know, this is what the wildlife is about. It's a unique opportunity for people to come to Zimbabwe because then we can actually speak to the authorities and make sure that a percentage of that money goes to the communities. We can build the roads. We can actually do all sorts of things, plant chili plants around the, the crops, put solar energy with a little choir so that anybody that goes into the crop area can actually get a little jolt. It doesn't harm anybody, but at least it's, it's a preventive measure. We can do all sorts of funny things. But, you know, if the, there's no will from the top, you can't expect the people on the ground to do it. We've been outspoken. I mean, 16 years we've been doing this. We tried anti-poaching. We were the only ones bringing M99 into the country to help these animals that are actually snared in, in, in the wild. We remove the snares of those that we can save. Those we can't save, well, you know, we have to do it in a humane way and later die with dignity. And this is what it's all about. The people can benefit. It creates employment. It creates all sorts of things. You know, the people can actually build villages where uh, a tourist that can't afford the fancy hotels can come and live in these villages for two, three days at a reasonable price. It empowers the people. They have a better way of educating the kids. The poverty line comes up. The people have a better way of life and they will look after the animals because now they're getting some sort of benefit from the wildlife. Where at the moment, the hunter comes in, he shoots. A percentage goes to the, to the national parks, which is for the fees. The second part, the money goes to the, the people on the gravy train. And the third person that benefits out of that is, is the, hunter, the, the safari operator. So now all your hotels and all your safari businesses that do sightseeing and photographing and the, the touring around the place, they don't get any benefits out of that. It's only the three little organizations that actually get the money. They're only, they, they, the local people don't even get the royalties. So, this so you've, is just ex you've just explained very well a different way of looking at if it pays, it stays concept, that a sustainable utilization doesn't need to include killing or exporting wildlife. It doesn't need to be de depend upon foreign hunters bringing in um, large sums of money to take off one animal for selfish enjoyment and uh, deprive the rest of the world of this animal. Um, so that brings me to a question. There were a lot at one point, there were a lot of calls to boycott Zimbabwe. Um, my response to that was that would be um, cutting off the foot to spite the face. If you boycott Zimbabwe, um, it just gets closed down even further and allows 
corruption and a shady government and all these machinations to just continue to sweep things under the rug. If you go to Zimbabwe and visit and uh, participate and in the ecotourism lodges, support the guides with salaries, then you're actually um, benefiting utilizing wildlife alive. So, And it also provides an incentive for Zimbabweans to appreciate live wildlife as opposed to dead wildlife. So it's a bit of a sticky wicket here. Um, it brings me to the question of who does wildlife belong to and when? So when it's in the national park, it belongs to the people. When it strays onto private land, there is that conundrum that now it's privately owned. Um, there, you had met, uh, alluded to earlier that an animal that's snared and beyond being saved, it can become food for the pot. That is utilization in a humane way. Kill the animal properly and use it. Feed people. But that doesn't include lions and elephants. These are iconic species, as you just said, and they're endangered. And we're at a point in our human history that we should know better than to be exporting um, and killing off these species. So this requires a shift in mindset and policy. How do we bring this back together again for visitors to Zimbabwe to, um, to encompass this sense of sustainable utilization of live wildlife? My, my recommendation, you hit, you hit it on the nail just now, when boycotting doesn't work. We know that for a fact. What we say to people, please come to Zimbabwe. Come and see us. Come and see the people that are here. There's a lot of beautiful people. You know, you've got a couple of rabid people which you do get all over the world. It doesn't make sense where the rest of the majority of the people are being denied, you know, the, the right to earn a wage where they're beautiful sculptures, they're beautiful paintings. There's all sorts of things that, that the, the international community and the tourists can actually um, enjoy and come and see how the people live here and how the animals are being treated here. It's a better way than selling them off to a life of imprisonment where the only crime they committed was being born in the wild in Zimbabwe and now these animals are up to the, the gravy train to make a decision and say this is the way it's going to go. It is wrong. And uh, I believe that the, 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 the tourism is a very beneficial thing. People can actually take part in it and actually make it work. But we need the international laws to be changed. At the moment, all your big five are a big target in Africa. And I mean, we're getting reports from all over Africa, and it's the same story all over. I mean, Botswana has stopped all hunting. They've gone into ecotourism, and they've flooded with people. I mean... This is what we want. Kenya is the same. They don't allow hunting. And a lot of the people that say killing an animal because some ego person has got a lot of money and he wants to show off to his friends that he's got this trophy on the wall, it doesn't make sense. It's much better to see it alive. It generates more money. Instead of one-off uh, big package, which is not a big package, package when you look at it on the long term, but... When you bring tourism, the, the, the amount of people that will see that animal will generate millions of dollars. And it benefits all the people in the country. And only just a select few. And, I, and on that note, I'm just going to give a plug to Dr. Peter Catt, who did an, a very well-written and thought-out 
piece on Peter's blog and on the People Against Hand Hunting Facebook page of the value, the uh, relative value of a live lion or a live elephant versus one that's dead, what Johnny was just talking about. Um, one one-time, one-off fee that really doesn't go into feeding people or managing parks and paying for maintenance of parks versus... Um, as Johnny had just said, the the money that a tour operator, the land, the private landowner, and um, private hunting guides would make to kill a lion such as Cecil, and I have to say here that that wasn't hunting. Um, as we talked about, Johnny, you and I, and also on this program, hunting implies fair chase. All ethical professional hunters, from the, the the last hundred here, years all agree, and Kenya would agree, that hunting implies fair chase, which means the animal has an opportunity to get away. Uh, the way Cecil was killed, none of that was in place. It was a, a, a big man with big money playing with a high-powered weapon, and the lion was spotlighted at night, and once it was wounded... They let it go because now it was a dangerous animal. And heaven forbid you actually hunt and put yourself at risk in taking down an animal that's wounded and is now fighting for its life. So, unequal playing field there. I had to get that in. So, um, it might be, we've got some, some a little time here uh, for the until the break for the next section. It might be a point to consider here that in terms of uh, the emotional outpouring and focus of the world on what makes Zimbabwe and perhaps Africa different than the West, um, I think that we often forget that the U.S. national parks and many European or Western concepts of wildness and wilderness is that parks and landscapes are set aside for people for us to recreate in and uh, to preserve untrammeled wilderness. Yet that which we can, as I said, recreate in. African national parks are very different. They're set aside for wildlife. Somehow, conservation in Africa has become synonymous with this concept we've been talking about. Wildlife must pay to stay. And as we've said, that leaves either killing it or photographing. And um, as you've been talking about, the economic incentive for Zimbabwe is tourism. And how does that filter in? Let's let's talk some economics just for a little bit. How does tourism, uh, I want to revisit this again, how does tourism and the work that ZCTF does, anti-poaching, visit once again, please visit Johnny's website, ZT, ZCTF official site, and it tells you how money from tourist dollars actually benefits live wildlife. Can you give us a little rundown? Sure. The the issue here is that, um, you know, we've had lack of uh, tourism into the country because the marketing side of it hasn't been done properly. So the thing is, uh, there's a lot of people over overpricing and overcharging where it shouldn't be happening. And, you know, there's so many, we've got wonders, the world wonder, the, the Victoria Falls. We've got the Zimbabwe ruins. People can actually, it's an attraction. And because Zimbabwe is such a specific country, it's got five regions. You go to the east of the country, it's like going to the Amazon. There's beautiful trees, big mountains. It, it's got the lowest, uh, the lowest altitude rainfall in winter 
in Zimbabwe. And you go to the to the west, you find it's like a semi-desert. It's 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 harsh. It's the very poor low low rainfall uh, a year average. You've got the the south, which is more like barren land. It's 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 hard to actually get anything to grow there. And this is the type of thing. We've got the Kariba Dam, which is beautiful. You can go by boat, by big, what you call it, uh, uh, houseboats from, from Kariba, which takes you over 24 hours to go right across to the other side, to Malabizi, which is just outside Victoria Falls. So, do you know, there's a lot to be explored in this country. And we haven't had the... Uh, marketing tools to actually do it and the actual people this is why you've got this outcry because a lot of these tourists have been here and they've seen and they remember you know the beauty and uh, it's like I said Cecil died for a cause not a reason it's a cause and the thing is we say please to the to the radical people let's use our brains and not our hearts we all passionate and the thing is, you know, if we lobby the congressmen, the senators, the MPs, the governors, and they can actually take it further, and we can actually get the laws to be changed. And, you know, and this is what has to happen, you know, if, if we're going to safeguard it. There's a lot of things that can be done. You know, there's a part for the hunters to play. There's, there's a part for, you know, for everybody. There's, the, the cake is big enough. All we need is the tourism to come. We need the people to come and visit our country. Instead of just saying, look, no tourism, let's go for the hunting because the hunters now are the wealthy, the manipulators that say, look, this is the way it works. I mean, uh, it's very hard to believe. Well, I think what you're saying is, and what our listeners can take away from what you just said, is that um, if you can't visit Zimbabwe, let's say you don't have the funds to do that, there are other things you can do. You can uh, petition your congressman, your state representatives, and you can petition CITES, the International Forum of Member States, that set uh, guidelines for the member countries to do uh, as to what they can and cannot do with their wildlife. So um, we've got about a minute here before the break. So um, I would once again request our listeners to visit Johnny's website, zctfofficialsite.org. There is a wealth of information there, continuous updates on what is going on, not only with Cecil the Lion, but as I said at the beginning of this program, the news that has just hit the headlines today uh, about the uh, baby elephants that have been rounded up again, uh, being uh, shipped off to China. So we're going to step away for a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts, we'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to Our Wild World. Welcome back. This is Ellie Weiss with my guest, Johnny Rodriguez, from the Zimbabwe Con- Conservation Task Force. Sorry, tongue-tied. So right before the break, we were talking about why to visit Zimbabwe. And if you can't visit Zimbabwe, what you can do. So this brings us back to the headlines today. Um, Johnny was just interviewed by Discovery Channel. And I think the Discovery Channel might have learned a few things today because, as Johnny had said, they got a runaround. They couldn't speak to a lot of the authorities, but Johnny was available, and as we can tell, he wants to speak out. So what we can do is take Johnny's words and spread the news. So this brings us back to one headline today, National Geographic News Online, that uh, in Huangi National Park, the elephant boma, were these uh, wild-caught baby elephants kidnapped from the wild, torn from their families, and as you had said so uh, wonderfully before, and that we know from research from Dr. Joyce Poole, from Katie Payne, from Cynthia Moss, and from all the work that Performing Animal Welfare Society has done, elephants do not belong in captivity. Neither do lions, neither, neither do a lot of iconic species. But elephants, we know for sure, do not belong in captivity. So the news that hit today is that the BOMA, uh, the Zimbabwean staff, has been replaced with Chinese staff. Um, what does that spell out, Johnny? Um, 
This happened in July, uh, two weeks before these animals were exported. The people that were supposed to be responsible, the guardians of the wildlife, were chased out of the area, and the owners, the new owners from Chin Chinlong, were here, and they were actually trying to uh, start educating these animals uh, how to load them into the cages and remove them because they put the cages in in the next to the entrance to the bomas. And it's very cruel because a lot of them ended up with scars, so they must have been using the the hooks and uh, mistreating these animals. Plus, there was no supervision from the national, uh, the Zimbabwe National SPCA or the SPCA or the VOS, which is the, the veterinary services, to actually be there to make sure that these things were happening, you know, under the international laws and the, the Cruelty Act. So all these laws were broken, and these animals all secretly were loaded up, taken to the airport, where it was also tightly secured, and loaded onto the plane. They sat in the apron the whole day. So in, in other words, they were in the cages for over 48 hours, and then loaded and then traveled another 22 hours to China, where they are now in Mbomas and enclosure. Now, they, it's, it's very distressing because... Uh, through the more experienced people that know the elephants is that by these animals that communicate up to 50 Ks and the, the families, the females always stick together, the aunts, the grandmothers, they never separate, they're together. If they branch off into a former group, that's not a problem. The males, when they come to about seven, eight years, they get chased out of the herd. But the families always stay together. they like humans. They've got the same metabolism and I mean I, I really believe that these animals are the most phenomenal animal in the world and for us to actually go there remove these calves which the authorities say they were eight years old we've got the scientific world that say they were three between three and five years old to tear them to take them to to a place where it's got no track record as a humane sort of place and to actually tie these animals, stretch them until they obey, starve them, and then so people can come there and interact with them, I think that is that has to stop. It's horrendous because it's removing the ability of an elephant to be an elephant by putting it in, in yes. captivity. In this program, um, last, uh, last fall, we did several episodes with people that are working with elephants in sanctuary to ringling brothers finally caved in and took their elephants out of performing animals california is working on banning the bull hook and here we have zimbabwe today 2015 as johnny said we have so much research and data that the elephant is a magnificent animal and it, it's complex it has um in inter inter and complex social activities. They communicate. We, we barely understand all that an elephant is. And here we are today taking elephants from the wild, not even breeding them in captivity, but ripping them from the wild as babies, 
um, to put them in captivity for a life of horror. Um, one sanctuary um, owner, uh, for the Tennessee Elephant Sanctuary, and Scott Blaze with the Global Sanctuary for Elephants, who had an opportunity to view some of the leaked pictures of these baby elephants in Chimlong, has said that they are already going about, the elephants are already going about desensitizing themselves to being who they are and um, responding in terms of aggression and fighting with each other because they have no ability and no elders to help them be who they are and to grow up to be elephants as we should see them in the wild. So I do want to point out here that in the National Geographic News today, they do quote that um, this murky saga began last November when a local wildlife organization, the Zimbabwe Conservation Task Force, ZCTF, sent out an alert that 34 elephants, 7 lions, and 10 sable antelopes had been captured in Huangi and would be sent to China. So we now know those 24 elephants have been shipped off. We now know also that another round of 24 elephants and more are being recaptured, taken from the wild, and that these bomas are once again being filled up with wild baby elephants. So, um, Johnny, you were the first one to alert the world about these 24 elephants, and you were the first one to alert the world that Cecil was killed. So, how come you're getting lost? Is it Zimbabwe? How come ZCTF and your news is, is getting lost in, in the headlines, why why are we why is this not making as much noise as Cecil the Lion? Because a lot of people don't understand what's going on, and I mean it took because everybody knows a lion, and they know the lion is the king of the jungle, and I mean there's movies that've been made of of the lions, the born free, and all these animals. So when it comes to elephants, people have always got the impression that these animals are killers and they're aggressive and they all sorts of, you know, illusional ideas. But to actually see them in the wild, the way they behave, the way they greet each other. I mean, once a year, they all come together and you see like the presidential elephants. You don't see them all together all at one time, but they do come together and they greet each other. The way they greet each other, the respect, it's just amazing. I mean, humans could learn from this. And it's one of the things that we say. Come and see these animals. Don't get the impression from a zoo or from a Chinlong park where they train these animals to do tricks which is inferior to them. Come and see them in the wild. The wild is the best thing. And to see them in the natural habitat, how the, 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 the little males are separated from the females and they've got a, a, a senior bull that actually smacks them with the trunk and educates them. You do this, you do that. These are all recorded sort of studies that have been done. But our authorities say, no, you know, this is an animal, we have to make money. And that is how it goes. And it's a pity because, you know, you don't get elephants all over the world. And uh, we should be held accountable as the guardians of these animals. And if there's cruelty and inhumane justice being carried out, then we should actually bring these people to book. Let's introduce the laws so that these animals are protected, so that everybody, every person has got the opportunity of actually seeing them when they can afford to take one trip once in a lifetime and come and see them in their own natural habitat. They'll be shocked. It's amazing. They're beautiful. 
I mean, they're being targeted because of the ivory. You, you look at it, the whole world says no more ivory, no more. But then we're exporting the same animal that they're going to breed in China because they want the ivory. So there should be a total ban. No, no more countries to deal in ivory should be taken off the books. This and is what we're asking. This is, this is critical, and I'm so glad you brought this up, ivory farm in China, because that, in essence, is what's going to happen 15, 20 years from now. And, by the way, an 8-year-old elephant needs its family. It stays with its mother until it's about 12 or 13, and then the bulls move on and create separate groups that are just as critical to elephant society as the, matriarch <coughs> Excuse me, as the matriarchal groups and the young ones. It's, it's a culture, it's a society, it's, it's complex, and it's very emotional. They have an emotional life and a, and a culture just as we do. So, listeners, what you can do is lobby the UN Undersecretary General and UNEP Executive Director, Mr. Achrim Steiner, to fully investigate CITES and the role it's played in affording the Mugabe's uh, administration and uh, what's happening in Zimbabwe to create this smokescreen that they need to continue stripping Zimbabwe of its wildlife heritage. Once again, that's the UNEP Executive Director, Mr. Akram Schreiber, and write him, lobby him, pressure him to make CITES become accountable, make Zimbabwe authorities become accountable. So, Johnny, how can our listeners help ZCTF? There's so many things we're involved. You know, out of the 34, 36 elephants that were supposed to go to China, there were three that were left because one had missing tail, the other one had a problem with its ear, the other one had a, a piece of its trunk missing. So these animals were left behind. Uh, they're here, quite close to the capital, where they're being rehabilitated. So we have to help those people... <coughs> with the medicines and the food and uh, the, the, the nutrients that they need so that they can actually be released back into the wild in about two years' time. It takes about two years to do it. I mean, if you follow, if you go into the website ZCTF, you'll read about the baby rhino who is uh, actually going to be, uh, his girlfriend or his wife is going to be giving birth later on this year, a little grand, grand uh, nephew for me anyway, because I drew a lot of strength from him when he was orphaned, when his mother and father were killed. And the little bugger, he was only about oh, two weeks old, and he tried to save the, the mother and try and help the mother, and he couldn't eventually hid behind uh, hay bales. And if people haven't seen the, the, the film, A Rhino in My House, that is one of the parts that we spent two years traveling up and down from here to South Africa to get the nutrients and the medicines that it needed for it to survive. And we're very proud of it. Plus, the, the other thing, Wanky, when it nearly collapsed in 2005, we asked the people around the world, which they did, and I thank them from the bottom of my heart. This is why we've got a Wanky Park today, because we managed to get all the water holes repaired, we put in new pumps, we actually donated fuel, I think it was about 62,000 liters of fuel, for the pumps, now there's a new, more modern way of doing things, which is solar energy. Instead of using fossil fuels, we can use these new energy fuels that we can get. There's so many things to be done. 
We had buffalo that were starving in uh, Starvation Island for the people that have been to Zimbabwe. It's an island in the middle of Kariba. A lot of the animals were dying of starvation. We took over 30-odd tons of food up there so that these animals could survive. So on the one hand, we're spending money trying to assist these animals to exist, and then we've got the other part, which is I'm totally against, is this trophy hunting. I mean, especially these endangered animals. It doesn't make sense. So what, what you're saying here is we, we can help. Listeners, we can help. All is not lost. There is still wildlife in Zimbabwe. We can lobby our congressmen, our centers, senators, our uh, international organizations to bring a light and shine a light on what's going on in Zimbabwe and get this out from undercover and in, into daylight so that we can do something about this. Johnny's just told us what money is needed and what that money does. Wildlife doesn't have pockets. It doesn't go to the 7-Eleven. What it needs is space, and it needs space to roam and move freely. On a previous episode with Jane High, we talked about Trans-Frontier National Parks. With the episode with Nick Lynch, we talked about uh, more about these baby elephants. And what is so frightening is that it's being relegated to the back pages. I'm thrilled that Discovery Channel interviewed uh, Johnny today, and uh, when that link becomes available, we'll definitely post it, and that National Geographic and other online news sources are bringing back these baby elephants into the headlines. Cecil was one lion, and as Johnny said, he didn't die for a reason, he died for a cause. And that cause is bringing awareness to what is going on in Zimbabwe, to people like Johnny and Zimbabwe Conservation task force and what they're doing and how you can help please visit his website the official website for zctf and there are links there of how you can donate they have a charity store they have a variety of ways that your money will go to work to provide infrastructure fuel cars staff salaries training and for Johnny to keep reporting on what's going on. That's where your money goes, and that's how conservation works. And I'm sorry, Johnny, we're out of time today. This has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, and and I will keep in touch with you. And folks, listeners, stay tuned. Check out uh, Johnny's website. Stay tuned to Our Wild World. We're keeping you informed of what's going on. Listen to previous episodes with Jane High, Nick Lynch, and go on Facebook and see what's going on. There is a wealth of information there. And rather than say, this is sad, do something with that time. Donate, help, shine a light. Thank you. This is Ellie Weiss, Our Wild World, and step out and live with wildlife today. Thank you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 